And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PNR with This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, content marketers. I'm Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 94 of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded on Monday, August 31st, 2015. Okay, folks, we're all just a bit dumber as a society on this Monday. That's right. MTV's VMAs, the Video Music Awards, were held last night, but they might as well have been called the WWE World Wrestling of the music industry because that's what this event has devolved into. What did we learn? Well, we learned more about Miley Cyrus's anatomy than you ever wanted to know. We learned that Justin Bieber missed his nap and... His new hairdo reminds us of the 80s pop group Flock of Seagulls and that he can't finish a song without taking a break down into tears. We learned that Nicki Minaj and Miley Cyrus are about to do the SmackDown. And lastly, of course, we had Kanye. Of course, Kanye. Who won't be outdone in a speech that rivaled anything that we might get from Hulk Hogan or Randy Savage, Stone Cold Steve Austin or John Cena? Kanye lit it up for about 10 minutes, finishing with the fact that, yes, he's actually going to run for president in 2020 and then literally drop the mic. Yep, we're all just a little bit dumber. Just to put it into perspective for you, during the first VMAs in 1984, Herbie Hancock won five awards. The Cars won big, The Police won big, uh, Cindy Lauper won for Girls Just Want to Have Fun and Time After Time, ZZ Top and Michael Jackson won. Other nominees included Pat Benatar, Billy Joel, Van Halen, The Rolling Stones, The Pretenders, Elton John. The performances that night, they were from Tina Turner, David Bowie, Huey Lewis in the News. The most controversial thing was Madonna's performance of Like a Virgin. Sometimes I like to think that I'm the old man yelling, get off my lawn, but last night we watched the collective lawn turn into a ridiculous mess of mud wrestling. But we're here to try and lift the music, folks. That's right. Joe and I are here to rock it and bring you a thriller of a show and the modern love of content marketing news and views. We're the hyperactive team, the ones who bring it time after time. We are your beasts of burden of content marketing. We've got your rants that make you feel like love is a battlefield and a rave that'll make you feel like girls just want to have fun or a sharp-dressed man. So let's get this show started. And to help me do that, of course, is my friend, my colleague, my good, good friend. And when he plays his music, he plays it with a lot of style. That's right, the backbeat rhythm, the heart of content marketing rock and roll, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, my friend? Thank you, my friend. So so this is what I, I have to know. Inquiring minds want to know if you're gonna vote for okay. are you gonna vote for Kanye. That's what I want to know. <laughs> well, if it's him and I, I just have to imagine that it's basically in twenty twenty it's a it's a Trump re-election campaign for him and Kanye. So I think between him and Trump, I'm gonna go Kanye. Yeah. Did you really watch it last night? Did you? I watched a. I watched as much as I could possibly really? muster without being depressed. Quite frankly, about the music industry because it's just sad. What it's be. It's just become this sort of fight of so. You know, who can talk about who on social media? That's but all I don't it really th- is, see. Is, but I don't think that's the music industry. I think that's the entertainment portion of the music industry because I think the music industry maybe overall right. is strong. I mean, there's. I certainly don't see that happening with the. You know, with. Other awards. That's true. I mean, those the VMAs are, have really just evolved. Into they're like this the re- just reality version. Ridiculous. Yeah, that's like the reality version of the awards programs, and that's yeah. I mean, like, look, you watch the Golden Globes, and they have definitely become more casual and more, you know, and more comedic and and sort of making fun of the whole thing. But it's you know, with this is where Ellen took her selfie and all of that. But it's it's all done in sort of a very professional entertainment style. 
you know, the VMAs used to be rock and roll, right? They used to be sort of a little bit rebellious and a little bit interesting and, and you know, and you was marked with great performances. And now it's just, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just old and the music has just outpaced me, but I, I don't see it. I don't see I Now it's just silly. It's just people walking around with no clothes on and sort of making fun of each other. You know that, you know, they're all sitting in the room and saying, uh, what, what, how can we get as close to the line as possible? Every That's year. right. That's exactly right. And they're just That's taking exactly it further right. and further down the field. And pretty soon they're... That's right. And I mean, the advertisement this year for the VMAs was quite literally Miley Cyrus hanging from a, hanging from a thing in front of a green screen cursing. That was the entire advertisement of the, the VMAs. What was it? What was, oh, that was the ad for the show? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it was, was Miley Cyrus hanging from a thing saying, I'm going to be your host, and then dropping the F-bomb and cursing so that they had to bleep it out, of course. And it's in front of a green screen, so which seems to be the thing these days, right? This is the whole Shia LaBeouf, just do it. You know, you film yourself in front of a green screen, so people mash it up and put it all over. Ugh, it's just annoying. All I have to say <laughs> is, all I have to say is, I'm rawr, yeah. get off my yard. All I have to say to that is, <laughs> thanks, Billy Ray. I mean, like, what else can you yeah, say? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Hey, before we get on the news, I just want to mention, I think everybody knows that you and I are, well, I'm pulling my hair out. My hair is gone. But the last uh, we've got, we've got I think Boink. seven days. That was Joe's last hair clinking <laughs> out of his forehead. Exactly seven <laughs> days until Content Marketing World, and we have a special coupon code. We want you to come if you're listening to this, and please yeah, come. It would be why, so much fun. And you're not planning on coming. Well, I guess my qu- question is why? Why aren't you coming? We can't put together a better co- program than we did. But two hundred dollar coupon code last chance all caps. So if you go sign up. For whatever you're going right. to sign up for, main session, all access, doesn't matter. Last chance, all caps. We want to see you there. This is the last time I'm going to. How about hashtag I'm not going to inbound? We'll do hashtag I'm not going to inbound. There it is. You had to go there. <laughs> you, you did. You just did it. <laughs> all right, man. Well, they're on my you-know-what list right now. Those guys are – I'm I'm mad at those guys. Fine. Well, but... we covered that, too. Was that two I know, episodes I know. ago? I'm not going to get into it again. Hey, but congratulations I to our friend Joe Chernoff, who who uh, absolutely a fantastic. Congratulations! What's to the Joe name Chernoff. of the company? Insight. It's called Insight, Insight Squared. Squared. Yep. We're yep. so happy for and you, Joe. Salesforce yep. Analytics thing. Congratulations yep. on that. Well deserved uh, new position. You're going to rock and roll. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Shall we to the news, my hey, friend? Might as well. I don't know what else. Are we all going to do something else? We, should, we <laughs> might as well just do not, it. Not normally. <laughs> all right. Well, this first, our top story, uh, comes to us. Yeah, I'll just say the name of the site. It's called withoutbullshit.com. Uh, this is uh, Josh Burnoff's uh, blog. I guess it's his personal blog, really. Uh, Josh Burnoff, if you don't know, he's a blogger, former Forrester analyst, and uh, bon vivant around uh, social media likes. And he writes that Augie Ray is right, also Augie Ray, of formerly of, of, uh, of, of Forrester as well. Um, social media's house is on fire, and can we all admit now that social media marketing is dead? Uh, he also says uh, you can't start over. He's not so sure anyway that you can start over where Augie says you can. And he basically then goes on to talk about in this blog post that, 
really, the whole idea of social media as a marketing platform has fundamentally burned down. Um, I'm putting words in his mouth, of course. That's sort of my summation of it. And basically, you have to completely start over if you're even going to think about using social media as a marketing vehicle. Um, What say you, Joe? Is he right? We've talked a little bit about this before, but is he right? Social media is dead? Well, I have I have two things to say <laughs> before I start. Yeah. One one thing is is Josh and, and Augie are both very very smart people, so I'm not going to take very, anything very away guys. from that. Yep. Uh, so so we'll just get that out there right now. The second thing is any article, post, podcast, video that says anything is dead, I always discount because it's never true. How many how many television is dead articles have we talked about on this program? Sure. This is that's yeah. not true. It could be the golden age of television. So the first thing is I just totally disagree with the premise. The second thing is there's this whole first section where there's social does not deliver on purchases, social delivers poor conversions and go I don't buy into any of that at all. It it it's not this is my take and I guess I want your take on my take. It's not social media. It's what the brands are doing with social media that's the problem. I totally believe that. Like if you say we're going to go out and build an audience and we're going to leverage social media to help us build that audience, there are thousands of amazing case studies out there of that actually that working really, really well. Now, do people – if you just shove your product out there onto Facebook or Twitter, are people going to buy? No. Who does that? Nobody does that. But if you build a relationship – and you get an audience by using Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, iTunes, blogs, whatever you're considering social media in this case, and you build a relationship with that audience over time and they know, like, and trust you more, well, you know what? That works really well. And uh, so I, don't, I, I guess I, I disagree with the premise, and I know they go on and on about all this stuff, but I think it's, he's talking specifically about big brands that still are treating social media like they have to shove an advertisement in it or they're being extraordinarily fake and they're they're using what we would what you and I would call branded content which is they're talking about their products and services or they're talking about the missions of selling their products and services and they're they're telling a little story around it but really nobody cares so that yeah i don't know is am i reading this right or what do you think you know, you, I think you are. I think you know. It's my take on the article and, and and this conversation in general is that there's sort of a there's sort of a two layered conversation here, and both layers tend to talk past one another. Um, which is one, what is the most effective use of a social media platform for a brand? And the most effective use is going to be entirely upon. The brand, the strategy, the goal, et cetera, et cetera. Because to your point, I have heard of amazing case studies of people using uh, social media to remediate CRM you know, challenges, to handle better customer service and decrease customer service costs as a result of that, to handle more effective customer service, to handle more effective sales, you know, the whole putting your store on Facebook and driving more commerce sales because of that. But all of that is all brand and goal and strategy independent. And then secondly, underneath that is sort of a, okay, well, what really is the purpose of social media as a consumer platform, right? What is its goal here? What is its, what are we really trying to get out of it as a society? I mean, as a, as a sort of a a population and there as sort of the reach gets 
further fragmented as our own organic reach as you know posting up for my friends reaches you know and the fragmentation of twitter and 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 facebook and linkedin reaches ever more sort of smaller increments our use and uh, of what social media is is also evolving and shifting in other words what used to be really easy to get a lot of attention on just isn't sure. anymore and so that's just a natural evolution of the platform itself. So you might have been able to predict, for example, that ultimately it would go from community to broadcast media to paid broadcast media to get the attention. You, maybe you may have been able to predict that. But those two ideas are definitely separate from one another. Because to your point, if I'm a brand and I'm trying to make the best use out of social media, I'm going to find the right strategic goal for social media. And it may be a paid media platform for me. It may be a community for others. And it may be a conversational medium that's internal for hiring practices for another. The point is – most brands don't go to that level of scrutiny when sort of figuring out their social media. They All they hear is social media marketing and to be fair, that's his sort of question. And they say social media is a, a, is a means of filling the top of the funnel, which candidly is one of the biggest challenges with content marketing too because it's most often seen as a way to fill the top of the funnel and put more leads or eyeballs into the store. And therefore, it's usually – so for the vast majority who have just sort of throw that spaghetti against the wall, it is going to be a failure. And it's going to populate all the stats that they sort of throw out there saying this is a big thing. The, the, at, basically, the, the, the challenge is, is that the wrong question is being asked, not the, not the answer itself. So what's the, what's the right question? What's your goal? Yeah, thank what are you, you trying to do? Well, that's, right? So we should have so – People don't know this because we had the conversation off air, but you and I were having this long conversation about when people talk about content marketing, they never finish the sentence. They always say right. content marketing is about creating engaging and helpful content. Period. Period. Right. For what reason? <laughs> there's, there's a comma there. For, you need a comma or a semicolon. And that's what blows it because you. I was talking about having a little disagreement with, with another marketer uh, on Twitter. And I basically said, I totally disagree with your premise of what you feel content marketing is because you believe that content marketing is just about creating engaging and helpful content. And my take is, who cares? I don't care if you create right. helpful, engaging content. What is it going to do? What's the goal? And that's you were telling the same story about have, being in that situation recently where everybody's talking about these strategists are getting in front of you talking about, hey, this is we're going to st- create more content. We're going to create engagement. They're going to start to like us. And my whole, our whole thing is, okay, great. Why? What, what, what's, right. the, what's the point? What's the, what's the finish line? What's, what does it look like when the vision is achieved? And that's the real question. You know, it, For both a social media strategy, um, if there is even such a thing, a social media initiative, maybe a better word for it, what is your ultimate goal here? What, you know, what happens you – know, <laughs> As I said, this and this is too cute. I know this is this is too cliche. So I know, but what I said to that CEO that asked me that, I said, "Look, social media is a river, not a pool." And what I mean by that is, is that too many times brands get completely satisfied with filling up the well of likes and engagement and followers and fans, 
and sort of leaving that there. And the goal of social media, if there is one, is to migrate them from social media over to our own audience and or our own funnel and or our own services organization. That's that's the goal is to move them. It's not to collect them. And that's the real challenge is that most people start with the strategy of this this is how we're going to begin and this is how we're going to collect more and more likes and more and more followers and more and more things. But there's no plan of, okay, well, then what? what? You know, once we get them in, then what? What's our goal? To keep them there? Maybe. But, you know, probably the more effective and to your point, finishing the sentence is what are we doing with them once we get them there that furthers our business? And that's the real – Well, I hope we don't just – I hope we're not just saying let's keep them there because tomorrow we may wake up and Facebook says, sorry, you don't have access to them anymore. They're gone. Exactly. You just waste a million – wasted a million dollars. Or the platform itself may be gone. The platform itself – you know, look at Google Plus, right? You know, I mean, and I know Google Plus is still there, but 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 you know, Google Plus for all intents and purposes, many many brands have put tons and tons of money into this thing, and it's just become a ghost town. And so now it's like, oh, now you know. But but if our strategy had been to move those people once they're in Google Plus to our our own audience and or our own customer service organization, well, then it's then it's a different story. Well, so here's my. I know we we could probably talk about this for forty minutes, and listeners, we won't do that. Please, but just a, just a, just a couple <laughs> things that I have to say about this. First of all, just because there are a number of brands out that out there that do it wrong doesn't mean that it's dead. I, I, no, th- so exactly. I totally. That's why I was upset about the premise. When you talk about you can't, uh, it, social doesn't deliver purchases. Uh, I think that that well, we, well you and I just maybe talk, that's well, true. but 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 yeah. I think maybe that's maybe true. but look at well look at us content marketing world in our Twitter chat we've been doing our Twitter chats for almost two years now they we we can prove that they've deli- we've delivered people that have found us on a Twitter chat and now come to our event well, does that does that count as social media delivering purchasing. Yeah, sure it does. does. But it just doesn't happen right away. Is it the only channel? Is it the best channel? Maybe, maybe not. But the point is is that it's a channel that delivers an effective result. Well, the thing is, is that that's why we talk about building subscribers and all that. And that's where I think you really – that's, I think, the power in social where you can find new audiences and then leverage and build your own audience. But we've talked about that all the time. This is the last thing. And this goes into the comments. So there's like – 50 comments on here. So if you a lot of comments, you go through the here's what I heard. I'm going through, and the big you know what the big problem is. I think everybody's saying this without saying it. And and there was one person in particular that did did say this. They said, you know what? It takes commitment. It takes time. It's hard. Like, yes, (laughs) yes, it is. It takes investment and time and commitment. Almost like it's almost like the. We thought the premise of the article There's was no crying in baseball. Yeah, exactly. It was. It was almost like the premise was this social media thing was supposed to be easy. Well, now right. we learned that it's hard. It's like, oh, I don't want to do it anymore. Is it? Right. Did, did you get that? I got that feeling when I was reading the comments. Yes. So I'm just saying, yes, yes, it is hard. It does take commitment. It does take time. It does take resources. But you know what? It it doesn't have to take a lot of money if you do it right. And I guess. I, I am going to ask one more question because I don't get this. When they talk about not scaling it or automating it, I get that. You can't automate and scale social. We've ta- You've talked about this many times. But when they yeah. say you can't scale social media marketing, I don't understand that because if I think of it from a media standpoint and building an audience and leveraging social platforms to do that, you can then scale your entire platform that way. So I don't. 
I don't. I guess I just don't understand why people say you can't scale social media marketing. Are they, are they saying because you have to have a human being that deals that communicates like a human being on these platforms? Like, what does that mean? Because it was mentioned several times in this I'm, article. Yeah, well, that's exactly what it means, right? I mean, they're talking about it from the enterprise standpoint, and what they're what they're suggesting is is that it's very hard. If you don't have a singular voice, right? So if you have a team, for example, sort of manning the, you know, manning the the the, the sort of dashboard, if you will, yeah. of it's very very difficult to scale that across. It's certainly, it, again, it's difficult to scale it across global geographies and different divisions and different businesses within a same organization. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll say it is difficult. I'm I'm not sure that I would. Agree yeah, but look at a look at a trade. Do. I mean, I look at look at what Disney's doing, right? I mean, if it, you know, I, I've I've actually I've never gotten the, the personal pleasure of being of going into this this area, but I have a friend who has had the pleasure of going into sort of their you know their NATO, their sort of command center for social media, and it's impressive. I mean, they've you know they've built a complete command center for all of the different Disney brands, and they manage it twenty four seven. And they've they've I mean, and Disney has a lot of brands, and they've you know they they police it, they manage it, it works, and it and it and it works for their business, and so it can be scaled. It's just you know it's a difficult thing to do well. I think we've I think the horse is is dead. I think we we definitely <laughs> did. We teach it to drink. We might we, we might have hit a record on one article. Maybe we should go on to another one. <laughs> All right. Well, our next article here um, is from Mashable, and the headline is "Podcasting Embraces a New Era of Cool." Podcasting's like the cool side of the pillow. Um, video. They did. I said that they didn't say that. Anyway, video may have killed the radio star. Wow, that's interesting. I didn't even recognize that from the sort of irony of the introduction. Sometime in the late 1980s, but the podcast serial apparently seems to have resurrected. All of that. A milestone in podcasting came in October 2014, almost 10 years after the birth of the first podcast. Um, this American Life host Ira Glass sat on Jimmy Fallon's couch on October 24th and with the help of his elderly neighbor explained how to download a podcast to the wide audience. And so the article goes on to talk about how the new era of cool is here. Podcasting is resurrected. We've talked about this a few times on the show before. But uh, what do you think? Um, is, this a, is this a fresh perspective on sort of the new um, sort of spring of, uh, of podcasting? Well, I- I think that everybody, you know, they talk about serial, and I, I don't know. Did you, did you listen to the serial episodes? Did you go through them? I did. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I did. I, I don't. I did. I think everyone's giving, and there was a lot of buzz around that. But I think that what we're seeing in podcasting right now would have happened regardless. I think that the fact. I think that's yeah, true. The fact that there's no barriers to entry. I mean, literally, when you and I decided to, to launch this thing. Uh, we both got ourselves halfway decent microphones and a twenty dollars subscription to Libsyn, and we were in business. So right. it's th- there's no barriers to entry. We're able to. It's so democratic. We're able to go against anybody else out there. Now, granted, it does help to, to have a platform first. So that's where I think their opportunity is. If you already have a subscriber base and you add on a podcast, like I thought, what I thought what John Lee Dumas did with Entrepreneur on Fire and his podcast was much more difficult than what, let's say, Michael Stelzner did to add on a podcast to the Social Media Examiner because he already had the subscriber base. Not to say that both of them are exactly. both of them have done right. a fantastic both job. Both of them are great. It's just a different way to yeah. do it. Now, it's interesting what yeah. John Lee Dumas does is he, he backdoors it. So he's got 
iTunes subscribers and he's really trying to get email subscribers. So he's trying to get them to go to his website so they sign up and get more information and then he can build his database because iTunes doesn't give you that information. You know, obviously Michael right. already had the database. So it's just, I, I think that it's a huge opportunity where you and I are talking to brands every day that are looking at this. I think the challenge remains to going back to the last article, the challenge remains where you still have a lot of brands in there that they get all pumped up over an idea and they'll start doing this and then it dies off. And if you look at, and I probably would say the majority of podcasts that you find on iTunes right now have probably stopped. They probably are already dead. Oh, I I have to bet ninety percent yeah. of them. It's do. the far majority yeah. of them, and that's the issue. The ones that keep going yeah. uh, are, survive, and even and not that. Well, it's funny. You look at you look at our growth numbers, and you can see it right. So we we started and grew a little bit to we had basically, I would say, capped out sort of the initial sort of the people that are normally looking at Content Marketing Institute stuff and would be precluded to sort of go ahead and, yeah, sure, of course, they got another thing. Of course, I'm subscribed to it. I'm doing it. And you can actually see the flat line there. And then all of a sudden, you can see about two or three or four months later, it start to rise again as it became shared (laughs) across what? Social media. But as it became shared... And started to get out there a little more. You can see a rise again, and then it dipped a little bit, and then it rose again. And sort of, it goes through these. It's it's like a, a little wave. It tends it's to usually, rise flat. You know what rise, it looks flat. It looks rise, really flat. similar to your. If you look at your own website traffic, it looks very similar yeah, to that. Exactly. It's just it's just you know it dips and valleys, but it's just keep going up on an incline consistently over time. Yeah. And I would say that most of successful podcasters out there. Are doing that. If you look at, you know, they, they mentioned Barack Obama being on Mark Maron's uh, WTF podcast. Now, I, I would imagine if you look at Mark's subscriber base and his downloads, it was just that very consistent over time. People talk about it, share it on social, you find out more about it, it's recommended, up, up, up. And then Barack Obama goes on and he gets a jump up, he gets a little yep. plateau change there. But other exactly. than what's a new audience, yeah. right? You're bringing in, you're leveraging somebody to bring in a new audience. So, which was, by the way, was a really interesting episode that he did. Um, was yeah, I mean, I, I so I think the tape, the, the take is, you know, I don't know. It's interesting. Is this, is it still, is podcasting still as an, at an early enough window where people that get in today are still early movers? It's not obviously. It's not no, Adam. Curry, I would, I would say they're mover. not early movers, but I, th- I, st- I think the opportunity is still there for sure. The opportunity is still there. You know, the bar is rising. That's the thing. The bar continues to rise with its popularity. Comes you know people that are halfway decent at it, and so the bar rises. Right. I mean, you can argue because of the what happened to podcasting, where sort of the bottom fell out of it. Really, if you think about it, and that that was there wasn't very good. And so the cream of the crop was very a, th- a very thin layer, and what has happened is is that that cream layer. Oh wow, this is a weird metaphor, but <laughs> has really thickened up, and so there's a lot more cream there. And so I have no idea where I'm going with this, but basically it's harder. You probably should just end it. <laughs> end it now. Yes. I, so the last thing that I'll say, uh, cream aside, uh, is that if you decide to do a podcast. And you do not have you do not have a defined audience of subscribers. You need to seriously think about your distribution strategy. 
because you will be right. you will you will have to podcast for a long long time to see it yeah. naturally organically yeah. grow without a built-in audience unless you're That's unless right. you're thinking about all the different ways and that includes paid media about getting found and leveraging influencer partners and buying lists and those types of things advertising to get that out there but then obviously converting that into subscribers and you're good to go separating the cream of wheat from the chaff that's what i say yeah that's <laughs> exactly what i was thinking <laughs> moving on to our last story of the show um this one comes from this i don't know i don't know about this author man it, this is this is uh, some i can't crazy believe you put this case. one in here but <laughs> it's crazy nutcase named Joe Polizzi who wrote a post on the contentmarketinginstitute.com blog called Native Advertising is Not Content Marketing. Put a stake in the sand. It is there. When you see the phrase native advertising, what do you think, says Joe? Do you think of content marketing? Well, a lot of people do. So much so that I felt compelled to write an article about it, he says. Before he goes through the differences, he then explains why it's essential to make the distinction. The words are important. And I'm going to stop putting words in your mouth and let you explain. So basically, what I took out of this article was really a native advertising program can be part of a larger content marketing strategy, but they are different things. Paying for the placement of content is advertising, plain and simple. Content marketing is about building an audience with a thing of value. Did I get that I right? Think, yeah, that that's absolutely right. I think the one thing that the reason why I wrote this is just because, well, everybody listening to this show for any l- length of time knows that, that words and phrases are very important to, to us here. And the more, because somebody asked me, it's, I've gotten. Well, I, I think you said it well in that comment too, but go ahead. Well, but basically that was it. I mean, it, uh, we had a lot of comments, a lot of people on Twitter saying, Joe, I mean, you're just stop it with the words. I mean, it's, it's not important. This is only important to marketers. And I, by the way, our marketers is our audience. So that's why it's important to us. And I said, if it's going, if we can understand the words a little bit better and start using the same terminology, it's easier for us to teach and it's easier for people to understand. That's it. So when you go into a room and you say, oh, hey, I've been working on this native advertising program and somebody thinks content marketing, we got a problem right away. Right. Because native advertising inherent, as we talk about in the article, is a directly paid opportunity that is not on our platform that usually feels like relevant content. But that's it. And what and, and you have seen this a lot, and if you want to comment on it, it'd be great, is the fact that when you go in to a content marketing group and they're executing some native advertising platform or a series of programs on multiple platforms, those groups often don't even talk to each other. The media buyers and the content marketing people might not even be talking at all. So while it can be, while native advertising could be a distribution strategy within your content marketing program, often they're not even talking at all. So I don't know. You've seen that as well, right? I mean... Well, sure. I mean, this you know, this is the the classic. So, content marketing as a process or a, as an initiative in the business, you know. And look, we're talking mainly here about larger organizations, right? Larger siloed sort of yeah. businesses that are that are that are dealing with multiple agencies and multiple constituencies within the business. You know, so for small and medium sized businesses, where it's like, hi, I am the marketing team. This is less of an issue, right? Because you're the same person asking for budget to pay for outbraining 
targeting Google as you are for the agency that's doing your website, as you are for the advertising budget. You know, so you're all one or two or five people. This is much more a challenge for the larger organization where there's multiple different businesses handling different parts of the funnel. And what typically happens is is that content marketing is most often being in a in the B2B setting, it's almost always being born out of the demand generation, product marketing, um, or some part of the mid-funnel that's trying to drive more leads into sales. That's just the way it is normally. And when we start talking about things like customer loyalty and customer service, it's like, yeah, 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 that's all nice. But first of all, we have to fix our lead generation challenge. Okay, mm-hmm. fine. And on the B2C side, it's most often, again, at the very top of the funnel, brand awareness. How do we get branded content out there? How do we actually get some content that wants to feed more awareness of our particular product or solution or whatever it may be? And so it's very, at this point, top of the funnel which is ironic given its sort of origins, but that's a whole other thing. But the interesting thing is is that when we start talking about the strategies and putting together the process, the idea of paying for placement of content is front and center. Like how are we going to promote the blog? How are we going to actually promote this white paper or webinar program? How are we going to promote this online magazine or this print magazine? We need to do that. We need to put together a marketing, the marketing strategy, and some of that's going to include advertising and Quite frankly, I've heard from people at companies like Outbrain and Taboola that this is a big challenge for them because, quite frankly, the same people who are handling the content for content marketing purposes and the people who have the budget for the media buys are different different people, people, different departments, and some cases, different agencies. And getting those people to even talk to one another, much less collaborate and figure out a commingled strategy that's going to work, is a very, very difficult thing to do. And so it's, you know, it's especially hard if you're inside the business trying to get budget to do this and you're trying to rob Peter to pay Paul, trying to figure out which hand is which and figuring it out. And then it's even harder for some of the agencies and or vendors to try and figure out how to actually navigate this new era. And it's really uh, a, a challenging thing to do, which is why I think, and this is interesting, but sort of a little bit of a, I guess, a teaser. We actually are doing some research on this currently. We're actually actively doing a field study right now on native advertising and how content marketers are actually approaching it, which is going to come out after content marketing world. But, but we're actually doing that. And, and the teaser is that we found that very, very few content marketers, the people that are focused on content marketing, are doing native advertising. And one of the big reasons is, is exactly that. I think the the last thing that I'll say on this, because the, the article speaks for itself, obviously, but the, <laughs> oh the, <laughs> I'm in one of those delicate genius. I'm in one of those moods, man. No, I, I actually, you know, when we published this, <laughs> I almost apologized to uh, Lisa and Michelle when I sent I it apologize. in. Well, I apologize. I, I didn't feel it was, I didn't know how important it would be. I'm like, I, we've sort of covered this, but Michelle kept telling me. Right. Michelle Lynn, our VP of content, she kept saying, Joe, we're getting this question all the time. We've got to cover it. I said, well, I'll cover it, but I, we've sort of covered it already. Oh, I'll cover I'll, it. Oh, I'll, don't get me wrong. I'll cover it. I'll cover it. Well, you know, one thing that I learned in a lot of uh, <laughs> e- emails from people about the article is that some of the, one of the big challenges is actually the technology vendor community because yeah. you're having, you have a lot of people that are selling native advertising programs or technology oh, of some kind, and they're calling don't it. Don't even get me. Started. They're calling it content marketing, and that's the yeah, problem. And, and it's just and it's confusing a lot of people because they're looking at content marketing platforms and you got a native advertiser, a native advertising solution in there, which is fine, but we got to call it what it is. And 
you know, it's the same thing, right? What are you calling it? Advertorial, native advertising, content marketing, custom publishing. We just have to start using the same terms. So that's that's all we're trying to do. And it's the I just I just reviewed the la- the the next issue of Chief Content Officer is in review right now, and I just reviewed my my uh, article for that one. And my article for that one is all about stop using branded content. So I'm like all over these. <laughs> you're Mister. You're Mister. I'm like main police. <laughs> yeah, I'm like the phrase police. That's like my job. So when somebody's not happy, they're they're using their term wrong. Just come email me. I, I think I think if somebody wants to really piss off Joe Polizzi, what we would do is a study. Where we completely botch all the numbers about naming conventions. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> that might that might send you over well, the, the edge. One, oh, so, uh, the, the, okay, I'll tell you this quick story because it's just <laughs> funny. But uh, I was already in like not a good mood because there was some guy I was talking to that that said he was a content marketing expert that didn't even know what he was talking about. Anyways, and I get I leave that conversation. I come over to another part of the table. And the guy starts talking about inbound marketing. And I said, great, that's fine. You're an inbound marketing guy. That's cool. It's like, hey, this is great because inbound marketing and content marketing are the same thing. And I swear I was going to lose it. I like literally was like, dude, man, you turned orange. I was like, I am your father. I didn't know what to, I really didn't. I really didn't know what to do. Anyways, it's important. So if everybody could just use content marketing for content marketing, native advertising for native advertising, branded content, just don't use that at all. We're gonna be fine. So we have a native advertising. <laughs> Would that be something? Oh my goodness! We do How about not our sponsor this no. week for the second week in a row. Exactly. Here, exactly this week. This old marketing is proud to be sponsored by Studio D, a division of Demand Media. <laughs> in the content marketing ba-dum, files, ba-dum, lessons learned ba-dum. from the past decade, from the last decade, Ooh. you will learn the ins and outs of content strategy, creation, and distribution. You'll find over a decade of data and thought leader tips to help you nail your strategy, track ROI, and publish content that resonates with your target audiences. You can download this guide now at bit.ly slash studio d dash cm files that's studio d dash cm files and you and i talked about this last time robert demand media has had an interesting history and a lot of what we've covered on this show and it's so interesting the pivot that they've made yeah i I was just about to say their pivot has been nothing short of well it's interesting because they i mean they used to do a lot of the short quick hit type content they really understood google better than anyone else google changed their algorithms and they were in a point where hey we've got to look at changing our business model they've successfully done that and uh, if you haven't checked out studio d's new site please do that i think it's studio d.com that is correct and they just did a total rebrand and they're really positioning themselves as as something different than what they were before and they've got all this content experience that they've that they've been able to build on and that's why i love this uh this content marketing files piece because I yeah, love I love piece. pieces where hey this is what we did wrong or this is what we learned and so you don't have to do it I mean I love that exactly <laughs> yeah please because I don't want to fail anymore I can't take <laughs> any more failure please tell right. me what you did so anyway we just want a few successes exactly well thank you to um, Studio D for sponsoring this week we thank you thank you very it. much all right folks it is your favorite part of the show where we have our rants and rave segment where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a or a little bit of a rave over something that has us, you know, feeling like a spaceman doing a dance on the moon, 
Or, you know, being bland, rather cruel, incompetent, which comes naturally to us, of course. So, um, let's see here. I uh, am going first because I have this old marketing. You're doing, you're doing this old marketing? Thank you. Thank well, unless goodness. you would like to do no. it. I mean, we both know what it That's is. Go, no, if you got it. That's fantastic. I got a little I, – I, right. I might add to it at the end if I if, if you don't cover right. what I fantastic. have. Fantastic. So that's great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which you probably right. will, but anyways. <laughs> anyway, mine is a I, – I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it a rave, but uh, it may sound like a rant. Um, and it comes – so the articles that I'm going to link to in the show notes here, there are two – um, one is from AdAge and the other is from Compro. And so, uh, and by the way, big hat tip uh, to Mark Tennant, who sent me over the Compro article. Uh, it was very, very helpful, actually, for me putting this together. So both of them, interestingly enough, are about experiences, which <laughs> I think you might think, you know, I've got a little bit of a passion for these days. Um, and so uh, the Ad Age article starts out, it's called Why Consumers Prefer Experiences Over Things. And the article goes on to talk about how millennial behavior, but not just millennial behavior, but also all sorts of age groups have now really placed a new value on experiences over sort of physical uh, products, et cetera, et cetera. And then goes on to explain that they, it, the article might as well have been written from the introduction uh, of our book because it's just – it follows follows exactly the same lineage of research that we used when we outlined the first parts of the book. So I'm going to say, great article, loved it, etc. Second article from Compro does basically the same thing, but then offers sort of some best practices on how to actually do this, right? There's this why millennials crave experiences more than things and what marketers can do about it. And it goes through, again, some of the research that we cite in the book from Eventbrite, for example, with the FOMO um, and talking about how CMOs and brand managers need to reach this new powerful demographic of millennials and they value sort of the experiences over they he calls it the emotional souvenir which is a really interesting thing that they're great articles couldn't rave about them enough love it you know it's a if somebody should write a book those articles are so great <laughs> if only, but if anyway it was a book if only somebody would write a book about this but here's my take so while I want to rave about the articles themselves, there's, there's, there's a thing that's missing, and it's this thing that's missing now that I'm starting to notice more and more about these articles that are coming out about experiences. And I don't th – this is in no – I'm not trying to sort of puff out my own chest here with the book, et cetera, et cetera, but I, th but I think it's an important thing, so I wanted to bring it up. So both of these articles are prescriptive to some degree about what marketers can do about this new thing with experiences. And their advice is not bad. The advice is not, it's just not bad. The ad age author talks about the fact that you don't have to create big experiences, that you don't have to overuse technology, that you should start acting human, although I think that's a little bit overused at this point. But, and the Compro article talks about starting from the heart, taking people on a journey, engaging all the senses and all that quality, quantity, you know, sort of arguments and stuff. All of it great, right? So basically get good at it, right? If, if we look at it in some... But that's not the first thing. So as Carl and I talk about in the book, the whole idea of this customer experience or content-driven experience is it only happens if marketing can reclaim its ability to create value in the organization. The whole job of marketing in some cases has to change. It's just not good enough anymore for marketing to be relegated to some department that produces compelling collateral or supports sales with quality materials. If we really believe, if we look at these kinds of articles, or if we look at our book, or if we look at the kinds of things out there about experiences, and we believe that these are the cool 
cool new hot thing to deliver to our customers, to millennials or any other generation, then the first thing we have to do before we create that awesome human-powered content that gets into the heart and takes users on a journey and blah, 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 we have to change. We have to change, enhance, or alter the responsibility that marketing has today. We have to start this process It can't just be, just like we were talking earlier in the show, it can't just be that we start with, we're going to create engaging, wonderful, mind-blowing content. That is not good enough because we can do that. We can create collateral material that is good, mind-blowing, human-generated, to-the-heart content. But if we just continue to flip around the camera and film the radio play of content creation that is demand generation, campaign-based marketing, we're going to find ourselves on a long, unproductive journey of campaign-based mentality just continuing and continuing and continuing. So if we really do believe that content-driven experiences can be the differentiating strategy of these days, coming days, etc., then it's up to us to change the business, to change that value. Good enough is no longer good enough. It's a journey, but it's a new journey, and that starts with the first step in a new direction. And that's the end of my rave. I counted eight. You know what, what that number is? That's the number of sayings you could put on the back of a sugar packet. And you just did it, my friend. (laughs) That's how awesome that was. I don't even know what that means. (laughs) What's that mean? Are there things on the back of sugar packets? Are you kidding me? I grew up in a restaurant and every sugar packet had a little saying on the back of it. If you try to do something and fail, you're vastly better off than if you had tried to do nothing and succeeded. I've like I've lived my life on the back of a sugar packet. I mean, that's it. <laughs> my bumper, my bumper, bumper sticker, sticker methodology. You may, yeah, for you, you guys. would understand. I mean, you're from Texas. You'd understand bumper sticker. Okay, I'm from Ohio. Right. We have a lot of family restaurants there. I gotcha. It's sugar packet. I gotcha. Maybe a sweetener packet. Would that have done it? Yeah. Anyways, yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Mine is not nearly oh, as thanks. intelligent as what you just said, but it's. Hopefully interesting. So on socialmediatoday.com, there is an infographic uh, called The Big Content Spend, How and Where. Oh, no. It's research. It's research. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Here we go. All right. Oh, with no, it. We should stop the show now. How and where are brands placing their content budgets? So naturally, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. It's research on content. And I, I'm like, this is right up my alley. Um, so I'm going through, and the first thing, the first, it's, it's a very lovely infographic. And it comes down here and it says, where are brands spending their money? Here are some crazy statistics. And by the way, our statistics are in here too. So they're not all crazy, but some of them are. The first one says $118 billion will be spent on content marketing in the coming year. And I sent a tweet out to the author of this, Julia McCoy. And um, I said, Julia, I don't know where you got that number. That's a big number. That's the biggest number I've ever seen by like $70 billion. Do, do, <laughs> Did we cover that number before? If we covered... I've, I've never... I don't think I've covered that number before. Anyone who's listened to all these, if we've ever covered that, please let me know. Because... It does seem familiar that we've ranted on this before, but I don't know where anybody's getting that number from. I don't think that's possible for for that. If they're just talking about like content, as in spending on sales collateral product, all content if, like yeah, advertising if it's all content, content, collateral content, yeah, yeah right. if it's that's any pixel right. possible, yes, then that's probably right. possible. But if it's just on content marketing, I seriously doubt that that's happening uh, because I don't think you or I would have jobs if that was the case. We would be doing something else, like selling shoes. 
which actually wouldn't be so bad. But um, I like to sell shoes. Anyways, this is here's my rant. This you go down the page. It says four signs. Oh no, no, this is not the right one. Here, bear with me. Here it is. Seven steps to guide you to invest in effective content marketing. Here's the seven, and, and I'm I'm intrigued with this because I want to know. I mean, I'm sure you want to know too. What are the seven steps? I want to know. Inquiring minds want to know. I want to know. The first step, the very first step before you do anything, and I'm thinking, oh, man, what would be the first step? Do you even have a guess on what the first step is? No, don't even guess. I don't even want you to guess, Robert. Here's the first step. Hire writers first. (laughs) That's the first step. That's the first step. Okay, now you count with me. Second step is work with talented writers. That's the second (laughs) step. (laughs) Because... because (laughs) I'm sorry, Julia. I don't mean anything wrong by this, but it's been a long day. So first we want to hire writers, but we don't just want to hire writers. And and, and step, we have to, step two, make sure they're make good sure they're their good. job. Work with talented writers is the next one. Uh, I'm a little confused now because number three is outsource qualified writers. So I guess what we want to do is we don't want to – I'm not sure what we want to do. Anyways, the first three are all about writers. We're going to insource. Okay. We're going to insource. We're right. going to outsource. And we're going to make sure that Make they're sure they're good. good. Number four right. – is invest in a, an effective strategy. So here's my question to you, Robert. How do we know that we need writers before we've created the strategy? Uh, we, we don't. don't. I mean, this is, you a, this is not are yeah, correct, this is, yeah. sir. We don't know. And by the way, nothing against the info. Well, I have a little bit against no. the infographic. But this is the problem that we have because everybody starts to create content first. And even, and I'm going to be talking about this at Content Marketing World again. Going to, what do we know? We know that those content market, those brands that are most effective at content marketing have some kind of a documented content marketing strategy. It's so simple. But the majority of companies, and I mean the majority, well over 50%, do not have any kind of written down strategy at all for their content. They're just out there creating content. And this is the kind of stuff that makes our job more difficult. Why we think that maybe we should be in the shoe business. Because we keep talking about this stuff and, and we're not getting enough people to listen to it. So anyways... People, I guess I, I, I don't, I, I don't know what to do, man. I, I really don't. I mean, I, I, I'm glad they're using some of this is decent because they use some of our research, which is great. I mean, I'm flattered that they're using our research, but I don't want them to say, I don't want anybody to watch, look at this infographic with the idea that we should be going out and finding good writers before we even know what the story is, who the audience is, and why it would make any kind of impact on our business at all. I, I, I don't even know what I, – I can't even – yeah. It's like – I don't know if one, any – just so everybody – Step one, be smart. Step two, don't be dumb, basically. Just so everybody <laughs> knows that was a rant. It was not a yeah. rave. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> That's well, all I got, man. All right, then. <laughs> That the show comes to a screeching halt with that one. Um, She's probably a really sweet okay. person. They they're probably a really nice organization. I'm sure she. But, uh, but know, it's look, not. It's, this is not a yeah. new thing. We we see this all the time. And somebody, so right. we we have to stand. It's somebody has to stand up for this. I don't know who. <laughs> somebody has to make a stand. Somebody somebody, stand. Okay. I picture you in Mel Gibson, sort of. Please, clan oh. with a kilt on. What going. are you doing, man? <laughs> okay. 
Let's go to the yeah. This Old Marketing example. <laughs> this Old Marketing um, is a namesake of our show, and it is now time for that segment of our show. Um, this week's This Old Marketing is something that I absolutely have. Uh, I love this so much. Um, in fact, when I first heard this story, um, we had I had to go back and make sure that we hadn't covered it um, because I thought we had, and, and apparently we haven't. This is for White Castle, and someone who sent this in. And Joe, why don't you look it I up while it. I'm it's doing a, this? It's because Joe I, Waters from Selfish Giving. Thank you very much, Thank Joe you, Waters. Joe. It was yes. fantastic. Yeah, so appreciate this. Um, uh, the heads up on this, it was really, really great. So White Castle, for those few people out there who've never had a White Castle hamburger. Is a hamburger uh, stand, really hamburger franchise, founded in 1921 in Wichita, Kansas. I didn't know that either. Um, the original location was basically uh, at the corner of First and Main in Wichita, Kansas. And basically, they created this new restaurant, this White Castle restaurant, at a time when Americans were really quite hesitant to eat ground beef. Uh, Upton Sinclair had just come out with his uh, novel, The Jungle, which had been about the poor sanitation practices of most of the meatpacking industry. And so, ground beef was like, yuck, you're going to go eat that. And they've set up this new restaurant with the whole goal of changing the public's perception about the cleanliness of the industry of this kind of restaurant. And basically to invoke a feeling of cleanliness, they basically outfitted their restaurants with um, all sorts of crystal white porcelain, stainless steel exteriors, stainless steel interiors, employees outfitted with spotless uniforms, the entire thing. It was all about being super, super clean. And the reason this content marketing example is so wonderful is because one of the things that we often talk about here is sort of the activation of internal audiences. And they began publishing their own internal employee magazine um, basically to, you know, right around 1925. And it was originally called The Hot Hamburger. And basically all of the material, or at least the bulk of the material, was basically contributed by other personnel through letters and photographs and, and all sorts of things about what was working, what was not, telling the story milestones, retirements of what's going on, getting everybody excited about the entire way and approach of the White Castle method and what they were doing in the business. And it was basically published quarterly starting in 1925 all the way up into the 1980s. Then they renamed it, and they renamed it called to a, 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 a magazine called The Slider Times, which has now, of course, been converted into digital and that sort of thing. And just to bring the Ohio uh, sort of angle into this, a sort of Cleveland and Ohio sort of thing into it, they now host an extensive archive of the White Castle system, uh, all of these records basically from 1921 through 1991, including all of the issues of the magazine um, dating back to 1927. The interesting thing is now I was reading another article that was a follow-up to this with the CEO um, of White Castle. They've now created an entire program for the internal pro uh, employees called the White Castle University, where they bring all the store managers into um, this group and basically create um, all of this wonderful content for them to get a chance to sit down, get to know each other, and basically create a content-oriented event for the internal employees and promoting the sense of extended family, as they like to say. So I, a really fun and interesting example of internal content marketing activating the employee base. Did I hit what you oh, I love hit, this. did you have something I, I do else? have – did you actually see the sample? I could – no, I, I didn't. Okay. I couldn't. I couldn't. Find, I, you I found, found one. It's okay, from. Good. It's in in the yeah. book "The Hamburger: A History" by Josh Ozersky. Oh, o -Z -E -R -S -K -Y. fantastic. And I'm just going to read you a clip of it because they talk about the White Castle system. And so this is from the actual newsletter, January first, 
1926. I, I believe this was the first one or the second one. So they're saying this is to employees. A revolution in the eating business has come. Instead of having to go to a restaurant and wait a half an hour for the noon lunch, one may step into a nearby hamburger establishment and partake of the hot, juicy hamburger prepared instantaneously. And then they go, this may be taken out in parcels to the homes on pleasure trips, on picnics, and on and on and on. And I'm just there teaching because that was a new – I mean, obviously, that was a new thing at the time. I just just think – Man, this that's this awesome. Stuff is cla- and it literally is written like a term paper report from the eighth grade. Like it, it, it's <laughs> it exa- it's, a- it's exactly what you and I would think about. We were using page. It's a white paper thought leadership about taking out hamburgers out of the restaurant. Yeah, that's it. It says it's it's entitled "The Hamburger as a Stabilized Food Product," and they're teaching. The, nice. they, yeah, they're they're nice. teaching their employees what they need to be thinking. The grease, the dirty, <laughs> greasy so hamburger great. is passed. We're going to be the thought leader in the hamburger. Little did they know the amazing movie was created uh, that stars uh, Neil Patrick Harris. Uh, you know, oh, 80 dear. years, wow. eighty years after that. Okay. So, have you? Did you ever saw the White Castle movies? I did see the White Castle. Yeah, no, I saw the whole okay. thing. And there's, yeah, there's, uh, yes. yes. Well, I saw it. Let's just say I was in a different frame of mind when I saw that movie. <laughs> this this could be our best or our worst show ever. So here, this is what we're going to so since we're done. If you really, really enjoyed this show, send a tweet to at Joe Polizzi. If you really hated the show, it's at Robert underscore Wait, no, 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 no. Don't be doing that. That's not the way to do this. That's not, that's not how this works. That is it. For Joe Polizzi, this is Robert Rose signing off. Tweet us up, not with any hate mail or anything like that. Hashtag this old marketing. And, you know, send us email, too. We like that. Give us the heads up. We love the story ideas, folks. We really, really, really do. And if you like this episode number 94, we do hope you'll consider subscribing on iTunes or Stitcher.com. All the links that we talked about today are going to be in the show notes, of course, available in the actual download um, off of iTunes or your favorite podcatcher, and also, of course, available on Saturday at thisoldmarketing.com. Remember, folks... It is your story to tell. Tell it well. We're going to see you at the end of this week, actually, a little bit early uh, next week on This Old Marketing. Bye-bye. is part of the CMI Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows at contentmarketinginstitute.com.